Well, hey there, everybody, and thank you for joining us for another edition of our WTOC First Alert Weather Podcast. I am meteorologist Dave Turley, and joined, as always, by meteorologist Andrew Gordon. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Andrew is here, and we have a special guest with us today. Yes, we do. And we are uh, getting closer to our hurricane season. And we want to make sure that everybody is prepared, know what you have to do before we get into the hurricane season. So, Andrew, you want to tell everybody who we have here today? Yeah, we've got Chelsea uh, Hall-Sawyer from uh, SEMA, and she has been so kind as to join us here today. We're going to talk a little bit about some ideas, you know, going into hurricane season here. You know, world's changed the past couple of months, and that means that how we prepare for hurricanes might be changing just a little bit because, you know, we forecast the weather, Dave, but we can't forecast what the world's going to look like in, in a month or two months when it comes to uh, the virus and, and what's going on out there. But we do have uh, emergency management agencies all across the low country and the coastal empire that are starting to get together a plan here. Now, thankfully, we haven't had to deal with anything yet with the season starting on the first, but... Chelsea, I know that uh, you guys may be taking a little bit of a different approach this year. Absolutely. So as you said, I mean, things are changing rapidly when it comes to this coronavirus and and our plans are going to have to change with that. Some things are going to change, including social distancing, wearing personal protective equipment, but other things are going to stay the same. We still want you to have an evacuation plan. We still want you to have an emergency kit. Um, Some of those tried and true methods for preparing for hurricane season will stay the same, but maybe some of the ways that we implement them will change. All right. So you talked about, uh, you know, evacuations. If things might be changing, we don't know what that is yet. You guys are in your talks about what's going to happen. But what is the current policy now? What do people have to know? Do they need to pre-register for anything? Do they just need to go anywhere? What is the policy right now for evacuations? Yeah, so the evacuation procedures are kind of twofold. One, if you have the ability to evacuate yourself, um, and that's if you want to drive your own vehicle, you want to ride with friends, you want to ride with family, um, that you don't have to register, you don't have to do anything. You make your plan, you communicate that plan with your friends and family, and you execute that plan when the time is right for you all. The second part of that is if you don't have reliable transportation, I want to stress the term reliable. Um, If you were going to break down on the side of I-16, that is not considered reliable transportation. So if it's reliable and you feel comfortable, um, uh, then you go with Route A. Route B is using the evacuation assembly area or the EAA, which is a Chatham County run function. Um, Anybody can ride a Chatham area transit bus for free to the Savannah Civic Center, board the Savannah, um, board buses at the Savannah Civic Center and be sheltered and taken to an inland county shelter um, to make sure that you're safe from the storm. I think something that's kind of interesting that that goes with this is, you know, we always talk about having your non-perishables and certain things to bring with you if you're evacuating. But now, you know, if you have a chance, you know, don't go outside of your means here, but grabbing some of that personal protective gear to have kind of with your evacuation gear, you know, having hand sanitizer, cleaning materials, face coverings, things like that, that, you know, in years past, we haven't really had to think about whenever we tell people like, oh, here's your little go kit. But that's just 
something else to go with it. Maybe even toilet paper. That's been a hot topic this year too. <laughs> you never know. Oh yes. You know, everybody has always laughed at me when I pull my toilet paper out of my emergency kit. Um, when we have our little buckets that we talk about, everybody's always like, why? Like there's going to be toilet paper wherever we go. And this year is vindication because toilet paper is scarce. Um, and people need to be including that in, into their emergency kit. And then also one of the things that you mentioned was that non-perishable food and then adding water into it. Those are in, in, in hot demand right now. Um, you walk into any grocery store, um, even just a couple of weeks ago up until now, and there are limits on how many canned goods or how many um, you know tuna pouches you can get. Right. Um, so people are going to have to really look at planning out what they're going to need for their emergency kit and start that process now. I mean, hurricane season is getting so close. Um, you want to make sure that you have that kit ready to go. And as we found out a, a lot of times now with, with our new norm, if you are run out of something and you think, Oh, I'll just run down to the store. It might not be there. So it, now is the time where, why things are starting to get more open again. So I think the, the shelves hopefully are getting more, restocked with with a lot of the supplies you know before we get an actual storm now's the time to prepare and get that kit ready to go for the upcoming season what about um if you if you have uh, i know you have family members you take care of that you're on the bus civic center and you go to where the the evacuation but what if you have those four-legged family members what about pets are they allowed in the evacuation area as well Absolutely. So if you fall into that category B that we had talked about earlier, uh, you need evacuation assistance to get out of town, please, please, please bring your four-legged friends as well. Do not plan to leave them at home. We have a plan in place for them where they're going to be accepted. They'll board a separate bus because um, you have some people that have allergies or some people that have concerns with being uh, next to animals. Um, so they board a separate bus and they go to their own separate se- separate shelter, but they will be taken care of. Um, in our current plan, you have access to be able to go visit them and, and walk them and and interact with them um, as much as your heart would love. Um, so that is absolutely a plan. On the other side, if you don't necessarily need um, evacuation transportation, if you head to the SEMA website, um, we have some resources for pets and what you may be able to do. A lot of times people don't evacuate because they're scared they're not going to find a pet-friendly hotel um, or they don't know the rules about bringing pets or bringing any type of animal into um, a hotel. So we've got a list um, and an active link that will take you to show you all the pet-friendly hotels between here and any destination that you choose. So if you want to put here and Atlanta, it will tell you every single pet-friendly hotel on your route. Now, just a, a quick question. Uh, uh, evacuations. I know we went to Augusta uh, recently. Does it really depend on uh, where the storm is going to be tracking, where you're going to evacuate the the people to? No, we have agreements with Augusta Richmond County that will house um, a certain number of evacuees. But with any storm, with anything, we're going to assess. We're going to make sure that that's a safe location to send our residents to. And if it's not, then we're going to reassess and figure out where the best place is going to be. And that's going to be relying pretty heavily on the state um, and the state operations center to help us determine a good location and who would be willing to receive. Cool. Um, I I have a question here. Well, this is not more so a question, but could you just kind of expand on this a little bit? Because you guys have this really cool thing here 
of the hurricane registry for people on your website describing folks that have functional uh, access or medical needs. People ask us this whenever storms get closer to us. Well, I can't leave or I have this sort of issue, so I can't, uh, you know, I'm limited in what I can do in regards to getting ready right before a storm. But you guys offer this and it'd be really cool if you could talk about this for, for just a moment. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a wonderful relationship and partnership with the Department of Public Health. And it's not just for Chatham County, it's for the entire Coastal Health District. Um, So the hurricane registry extends beyond just our county. Um, If people have, it's broken up into two categories, functional or access needs, and then medical needs. So functional or access needs are going to be people that need assistance with activities of daily living. So maybe on a day in and day out basis, they are comfortable in their own home. They understand um, how to work their dialysis. They understand how they need to um, you know, wander around or m- maneuver around their home if they're blind or low vision. But you put them in a disaster situation in a new setting, they're going to need some extra assistance um, navigating that different terrain and that different area. Um, so functional or access, they're going to be taken to an inland county shelter. There's um, a registry that they can apply to be on um, by calling the Department of Public Health directly and asking to be put on that registry. Um, the medical needs side are those people that really need um, health care assistance. So that could be people that are bedridden, people that have um, very severe health care needs and concerns. They would need um, health care professionals to provide assistance during an evacuation. Uh, so both of them are handled the same way and that they call um, the hurricane registry number, um, but they are handled separately once they reach that point. It's definitely a cool, uh, cool resource that you guys help out with for sure. Um, you know, Dave, this is something that we ran into last year whenever we had uh, our hurricane day where we were out at the high school. We had a lot of folks out there with us and a lot of people came by that had moved here and never gone through a hurricane season before. So uh, both of you guys, what, what's your advice to people who maybe have moved in here from an inland area like Midwest and they're living on the coast now and they're worried because this is the first hurricane prone area they've, they've lived in? I'll let you go first. Ladies first. All right. Um, I think one of the first things that I recommend is really just trying to take a deep dive um, into it could be WTOC's website about hurricanes or SEMA's website and learn about the storm itself. It's unlike any storm that I've ever really studied or paid attention to. Hurricanes are very different and the effects that it can have on your community are very different. So particularly here in, in Savannah, we're very susceptible to storm surge. Um, and that's that rising water because of a hurricane. It's not necessarily the water that comes from the sky. And, and people have a really hard time grasping what exactly flooding would look like during a hurricane. Um, so understand the storm and then understand how you can prepare your home and how you can prepare yourself to be able to leave. I think those three things would be definitely where I start. I think I totally agree with you. Uh, Coming from uh, the Northeast myself and uh, not experiencing or not growing up with hurricanes, it was a a really um, kind of an on-the-job training for me when I got my first job in North Carolina, then moving down here to uh, Georgia. Uh, Hurricanes are a big part of what you have to deal with here for 
six months out of the year. We're officially in hurricane season. Yeah. So you have to know what your threats are. No matter where you are, take the time to know if you are in a flood zone, if you're in a sub, whatever your, your surge zone is, whatever that category may be, and know that every storm is going to be different. Not every storm is going to be um producing a lot of the strong winds and then the huge storm surge. It really depends on the track, the intensity, and the timing of when that storm is coming in. So make sure you're getting that information, have a way to get that information, and have a plan to evacuate if necessary. As Chelsea said, storm surge is the number one threat for our area. You want to run from the water and hide from the wind. So if we're not expecting, if you're not living in a storm surge area and you're new to this region, like your area is not expected to flood and you don't want to evacuate, you're not under that mandatory evacuation, then make sure you are have the tools to keep your house safe and make sure you have enough preparations for probably plan on losing some power uh, for quite some time if a hurricane was actually to impact our area. But really just being prepared and getting that information and having that way to get that information is the main thing that I would say to people. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that this is something really cool that SEMA did uh, after Matthew was uh, looking at the evacuation zones uh, again. So if, you know, whether you're new to the area or not, specifically for Chatham County, uh, we've got the three evacuation zones, Chelsea. We've got zone A, B, and C. And thankfully, I'm a little further inland, so I am in C, west of 95, but zones A and B, they're going to be a little bit more susceptible to being the first ones to be called to evacuate if need be. Yeah, so as you, as you said, after Hurricane Matthew, we really started to take a look at the our hurricane evacuation zones. During Matthew and prior to Matthew, we had two, east and west of I-95. Well, east of I-95 is at least 80% of our county. Um, and we've realized when we call for evacuation of Zone A, there's immediately going to be uh, lines down I-16 and a lot of heavy traffic. So to help with traffic management, time management, and a little bit more efficiency, we created those three zones. So zone A is going to be the Harry Truman Parkway east to the coast. Zone B is the Truman Parkway to I-95. And then zone C, as you said, is 95 all the way westward to the county line. So zone A is always going to be the first zone um, to issue those evacuation orders and then zone B likely to follow. And then if the storm is going to be intense enough, large enough, cause enough havoc on our community, zone C would be issued after that. What about the, the types of evacuations? We know what the zones are, but are there still two types of evacuations? There are. Um, now, the, the term is, is difficult, I think, for people to still kind of grasp. Gone are the days of the term voluntary evacuation order. Um, you know, across the whole state, that term has been um, decided to, to be turned obsolete. Um, and FEMA is actually working with states across the uh, eastern seaboard to ensure that that term is being uh, deleted out of their vocabulary as well. So you'll hear the term evacuation order and mandatory evacuation order. So evacuation order is a general statement urging and encouraging residents and business owners in that target area to evacuate, whereas a mandatory evacuation order is an executive directive requiring all businesses, residents, visitors in the area 
um, they're required to evacuate and leave that area. Um, so there, there's your difference. More than likely, that evacuation order is going to come first, followed by a mandatory evacuation order. Uh, this allows us to, again, space out some of those people because the way, the way we look at it is there are multiple types of people when it comes to evacuations. You've got people that hear the term hurricane and have already packed their bags and have left. Right. You've got people that um, hear evacuation order and they have packed their bags and they've decided to leave. And then you've got some for whatever reason. It could be their job. It could be... Um, you know, their own understanding of hurricanes want to wait until they hear that term mandatory um, and then they choose to leave. All right. That's all good info. Good stuff to hear there. So, Chelsea, is there anything else that you wanted to get out there too? We've, I know I, I talk too much and Dave and I talk forever. So <laughs> just wanted to see if there's anything you wanted to, to get out there to folks. You know, one thing I would really love to mention, um, I, I want people to pay a lot of attention to their insurance policies. I, I answer the phones a lot during a hurricane and especially after a hurricane. And I was heartbroken after Matthew and then after Irma. And then um, even some cases um, with some of the more recent storms that we've had of people not realizing that they have a named storm clause in their insurance policy, which means that rather than paying their $1,000 deductible or $2,500 deductible, um, to repair parts of their home, they have to pay 10% or 25% of the overall damage to their home. And they didn't read their policy well enough to understand that that is huge. You know, if you've got $200,000 worth of damage and you have to pay 10% of that, that's that could be a lot more than what you really can afford or what you can really do. And we've seen a lot of people financially struggle after a storm because of it. Also keep in mind that your homeowner's insurance and your renter's insurance don't cover flooding. So if you were, if your home were to flood, you're not covered. Um, and that's something that everybody in Chatham County needs to know and they need to understand that flood insurance is the only way that you will be covered from a flood in Chatham County. That is That's definitely, definitely good to know. I know that, you know, I've got renter's insurance and they do not cover flooding. So, uh, you know, that's just something even maybe younger folks need to consider too, because, you know, that's the last thing we're thinking about is insurance, but uh, it's something you got to think about for sure. 100%. And, and I, I rent my home. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just to say I rent my home um, and, you know, renter's insurance covers the contents of your home. But as you said, it doesn't count if there's a flood. So if you buy flood insurance, it's not very expensive if you're a renter because you're only covering the contents of your home. I pay about $100 a year for about $25,000 worth of coverage. It's really not that expensive to add that one policy on. And as you're getting ready to say, it's a federal program. I'll let you continue with that. I was just going to say, yeah, you mentioned it's a separate program. You have to get that from the federal government. You can't just get that. You can go to your insurance company, but they're going to have to get it from the federal government and then you're covered uh, federally with that separate policy. But it's something you definitely need to think about this time of the year. We're getting closer to the season, and uh, we just wanted to give you a quick little update. Things are going to be changing this summer. I know a lot of people thinking about uh, going on vacation, but maybe still can't because there are places I know our work 
uh, won't let us really. Well, they didn't say they won't let us. We're, we're limited. <laughs> but if, if if we go out of our viewing area, then there's a chance that we might have to self quarantine when we come back. So things aren't really back to normal yet, even though we are starting to open up. And I think a lot of people are still working from home. I know I'm still working from home. Andrew's working from home. Chelsea, are you yeah, working you know, from home? This- yeah, I mean, the county still has um, some work from home policies. So it's 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 a totally different world. Yeah, so wherever you guys are listening from, the three of us are in three different places. We can't see each other. So that's kind of why we're talking over each other a little bit. Yeah, but it's a it's a it's a new uh, a new world coming up here that we're going to continue to do. And well, well, there's something we haven't seen. Every hurricane season is always different, and this you know uh, pandemic just adds to the uh, uh, confusion or the uh, I don't want to say excitement, but the uh, the anxiety. It I guess you say, yeah. <laughs> It makes it interesting, but maybe not in a good way. <laughs> no. So we're going to make sure that uh, we keep you updated, and we're going to maybe bring uh, Chelsea back sometime in the middle of a hurricane season, see how things are going. Maybe when uh, when you guys adopt your uh, policy coming up here in mid-June, we can bring you back and discuss the new uh, qualifications uh, of uh, what we're going to be doing, dealing with the social distancing and stuff like that. Absolutely. All right. Well, All right, Chelsea, Chelsea, thank you so much. That's yeah. awesome. Thank you very much for for joining us, Andrew. As always, good job. And that is another edition of our WTOC First Alert Weather Podcast.